What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So one of my favorite Mo Willems books that I used to read with my kids was this book called Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed. It is so much fun. <laughs> Mo Willems is the best. Agreed. And this story is great because it's all about a naked mole rat named Wilbur. <laughs> He's pretty fancy and prefers to wear clothes instead of being naked all the time. But when I was thinking about the book over the weekend, it made me wonder why is nakedness the thing everyone knows about mole rats when they have all these other superhero-like qualities? I mean, the naked bit is in their name, so it's kind of hard to avoid. Good but uh, <laughs> explain what you mean by superpowers. Well, first of all, they don't feel certain types of pain. They're totally immune from the sting of chili peppers or really hot temperatures, for instance. They also don't get cancer, which is crazy. And this isn't a superpower, but their buck teeth actually move independently and can be used like chopsticks, <laughs> which is kind of just a cool move. But as I started thinking about the mole rat and its superior qualities, I started wondering what if we could take the coolest superpowers of the world's most surprising animals and then try to Frankenstein the ultimate superhero animal. And while we can't promise it'll turn out cuddly, building this designer animal is definitely going to be fun. So let's dig in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hatikader. Mango, are you as excited as I am about today's topic, creating the ultimate superhero animal? <laughs> I'm so excited. I mean, this is something we've talked about for such a long time, trying to concoct the weirdest, funniest, most badass creature. And over the years, we've learned so many crazy things about animals. I mean, we're talking about electric powers, the ability to detect danger, x-ray vision, the ability to regenerate a brain. Like, this stuff is comic <laughs> book gold. It definitely is. All right, so for our listeners, this used to be a dorm room obsession of ours, debating the sexiest dinosaur or how ugly the world's ugliest badger could be. 
and probably not that ugly. I mean, even a bad-looking badger is pretty good-looking, I think. so. <laughs> but we decided it was finally time to tackle this topic of the ultimate superhero animal when some of our favorite librarians from the Hoover Public Library in Hoover, Alabama, suggested we revisit a book that came out in 2011. It's called Rat Sing, Mice Giggle. It's this terrific book by a neuropsychologist, Karen Shanner, and Jagmeet Kanwal, an associate professor in neurology at Georgetown, and several of the great facts you'll hear today come from there. That's right. It's like when you ask your kid which superhero they want to be, and they say, I want to be a superhero that combines all the most awesome parts of every other superhero. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's what we're going to do here, but with animals. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. And before we get going, we should probably tell you that we've got a great guest on today, the wonderful YouTube star, Emily Grassley, the host of Brain Scoop. And we've got super fun listener quiz as well. So let's get to it. And to be clear, today's hunt is not about finding the biggest and fastest animals we learned about as kids. No offense to the cheetah and the blue whale, <laughs> both awesome animals. But we're looking for something a little more creative and surprising. So where do we even start? Well, we are creating a superhero, so I feel like we need to start off with some of the super sensory stuff, or maybe even with the ability to sense electrical charges. I mean, that feels very superhero-y. Oh, definitely. And you know, part of the reason I'm so excited about this category is because it's a chance to bring back the duck-billed platypus. <laughs> it seemed like as kids, the duck-billed platypus was the weird animal that we all talked about. Then the internet came along and we got to learn about all these other cool animals. Sure, like the Pacific Northwest tree octopus. Was that a, uh, is that a real thing? No, it was this amazing internet hoax by this guy, Lyle Zapata. He had a whole Save the Pacific Northwest tree octopus campaign. <laughs> it was elaborate. It sounds like it. So now my thing with the platypus is that as much as we dropped its name into conversations as a kid, I don't think we fully appreciated just how cool the platypus is. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody knows that it's this weird egg-laying mammal with the tail of a beaver and the feet of an otter and the bill of a duck, and that the male has a venomous spur on the back of its foot. Now, that should be enough to make it an animal we should remember. Yeah, or avoid touching. <laughs> right. But none of that really makes it a superhero until you remember that the platypus is a master of electrolocation. Isn't that crazy? It's actually the most electroreceptive of any land mammal. That means it's able to detect electrical signals given off by other creatures. So even when it's hunting around for food at night in very dark waters, it's able to locate its prey by actually detecting their electrical fields using the 40,000 electrosensors in that big old snout it's so very proud of. Right. It's basically making a map of what it's surveying in those dark waters. That's right. So let's bring some respect back to the platypus by adding this ability as the first on our list of superhero animal traits. Totally agree. Now, you mentioned that it's the most electroreceptive of the land mammals, but according to the Pelagic Shark Research Foundation, sharks are actually the most electrically sensitive animals known. Now, I know sharks aren't exactly underappreciated. I mean, they get their own week on TV every year. I'm kind of surprised TV Land doesn't run a Happy Days marathon that same week and call it Jump the Shark Week. Brilliant idea. Now they should do that. So, And this only makes them more intimidating. So they've got this gel in their snouts and their heads that helps them detect incredibly low currents of electricity, which then helps them find even small fish that might be hiding from them. Them under the sand. As though sharks needed one more advantage. <laughs> so that's another type of electrolocator, and I think between the shark gel in their snout and the platypus beak, I'd rather have the beak on style points. Right. But maybe a little of that special gel to spread on my hands? Sounds good. But what about the ability to actually generate electricity? I don't think most people would be surprised that this title's going to the electric eel, but there are a couple interesting facts that most people probably don't know. Oh yeah, like what? Well, first, electric eels are not actually eels. They're a type of knife fish. Well, that just puts them on our long list of things that aren't things. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like how the koala bear isn't a bear or a strawberry isn't a berry, but apparently a banana is. Don't get me started on the banana. So according to the Stanford researcher, tomatoes and bananas are scientifically berries, while strawberries and raspberries aren't. Sounds like I got you started on the banana. (laughs) I mean, my whole world is upside down. But uh, back to eels. While there are multiple types of fish that can produce electric charges, did you know that freshwater fish like the electric eel typically produce electricity at a higher voltage? And it's because they don't have the advantage of salt water, which conducts electricity more effectively. So an electric eel puts out an insanely strong shock. It's like 600 volts. That is crazy. So to put that in perspective, Atlantic torpedo rays can generate shocks of over 200 volts, which is enough to power your microwave at home. So 600 volts, that's three microwaves. This is such a dumb tangent, but I read this profile on Scott Adams, the guy who created Dilbert, and he has three microwaves in his kitchen stacked on top of one another. And when the writer asked him why, he said he needs them to make a lot of popcorn at the same time. (laughs) He could power all of that with a single eel. I want to confess that you shared that fact with me a week or so ago, (laughs) and I actually set that up because I knew this was the perfect three microwave fact. So So back to the knife fish. So we're taking the platypus bill, the shark gel, the electric eel's ability to shock the snot out of something. Maybe we keep that in our super animal's power pack? I don't know. So I think we're off to a strong start. Definitely. But we're not done with our supercharged powers. That may cover our electric powers, but we also need the ability to harness the powers of Earth's magnetic field. Have you ever wondered how some animals travel such crazy long distances but manage to get where they're going with such accuracy? Yeah, I've always been baffled by this. Yeah, me too. And before smartphones, I used to get lost all the time. Like, I felt like every time I tried to navigate my mom anywhere, we'd end up in Scranton. (laughs) And we were never going to Scranton. Is anyone ever going to Scranton? (laughs) Yeah, so it turns out several animals have evolved to detect Earth's magnetic field and then use it to navigate. Like, birds are the most obvious with migrations, but think about creatures like the monarch butterfly. And then there are several species of fish, turtles, and plenty of others, all using their internal compasses to determine where they're going. Yeah, and I think it's funny that even animals that don't travel long distances, like cows, will frequently be found standing north to south, and that termites orient their mounds in the same way. Hmm. It's really bizarre. And it's funny, when you look at something like the monarch butterfly, which has a brain smaller than the head of a pin, it's still equipped with an internal compass and timekeeper. Actually, you know what the strangest thing I learned researching this? Some scientists think that many bird species are even capable of seeing the Earth's magnetic field. Well, I'm glad you mentioned birds because there's actually a migrating bird that I think we should use for where we get our magnetic field detection sense from. Oh yeah? Which bird is that? Well, there are lots of birds that make really impressive flights each year, but I'm thinking of the bar-tailed godwit. (laughs) So... (laughs) I have to admit, I don't know anything about the bar-tailed godwit. Yeah, it takes a big man to admit that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, But listen to this. The godwit actually flies from Alaska to New Zealand every single year. Alaska to New Zealand? That is not possible. Well, believe it. The trip is over 7,000 miles long. Or since we're measuring things in microwaves, that's about 14.8 billion microwaves end to end. (laughs) That's good science right there. Yeah, it's the longest nonstop flight observed among birds. So that is such a crazy long trip. I just can't even wrap my head around that. So yeah, this is definitely the bird we want to borrow magnetic detection powers from. Yeah, I'm glad we agree on that. So anything else before we get to things like the best weapons and the scariest features and immortality? Well, I think we should probably create an animal that has the ability to sense when danger is nearby or something's going on around it. Like a spidey sense? Exactly. So spiders have this amazingly fine-tuned sense of touch that helps them know what's happening all over their web. So when something, even a tiny something, touches the web, a single hair on that spider could detect the smallest vibration. 
I like that there's even a certain type of vibration that allows a female spider to know that a suitor has arrived, and she can send a certain jiggle back to him to let him know it's time for one of those upside-down spider kisses. You know, like from the Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst version of Spider-Man. The jiggle, I like that. So, <laughs> but I think I want to put in a vote for a different creature for best spidey sense, even though it's not a spider. And what's that? The alligator. So this is something I didn't know before reading up for this episode, but alligators have these tiny black dots all over their faces, and especially around their jaws. And really only in the past couple decades have researchers started to better understand what these things are. They're these little receptors that help the alligator sense movement from the other things in the water. That's so crazy. I always assumed that they were just freckles or blemishes. But now that you mention it, with those receptors being around the jaw, it kind of explains why we see alligators floating with just a little of their mouths above the water. That's right. So these receptors help them detect even the smallest disturbances in the water. And they also help the alligator know where the disturbances came from. That's so weird. While you're processing just how crazy alligator receptors are, why don't we take a break for a quiz? So our guest today is the host of one of our favorite YouTube channels, The Brain Scoop, which is hosted at the Field Museum in Chicago. And it just made too much sense to have her on today because she's taught us so much about crazy, cool animals. Emily Grassley, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Yay, thank you for having me. (laughs) So, Emily, I think you have one of my favorite job titles. You're the chief curiosity correspondent at the Field Museum, which kind of sounds like you just get to sit around and ponder things. But so so what exactly does this mean? Yeah, so, you know, I love my job title. Um, (laughs) And it's my primary role at the museum, of course, is, you know, writing and producing and hosting these educational YouTube videos about natural history and the work and research of uh, the Field Museum. But... Really, you know, it is kind of my job to hunt around the museum and find topical stories of of interest and to help shape those science stories in in any kind of way that I can. So I do a lot of public speaking and a lot of outreach and a lot of uh, community engagement type things for the Field Museum. And yeah, I mean, I'm usually there corresponding my curiosities. It's pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which is so great. So this episode, we're combining the real abilities of real animals to build this ultimate animal superhero. And we wanted to hear if you have any favorite animal skills or talents that you could tell us about. Oh, my gosh. So many. I mean, <laughs> you know, like our humans, our real strong ability is our brain, right? Like it, it, we're actually pretty limited in like physical prowess just innately. Of course, I'm not like talking about, you know, Olympic athletes, but the one good physical trait is that being bipedal and with the respiratory system that we have, we can run really long distances, right? Like we can outrun almost any animal endurance wise, but that's about all we got going for us. (laughs) That's our main thing. Like, you know, like we can't breathe underwater without creating systems to accommodate that. We can't fly without creating systems and machines to accommodate that. So I think you just like look at any environment of the natural world and it has been colonized through evolutionary adaptation for some organism to thrive, no matter what it is. Like the most hostile environments, I'm talking about like deep sea hydrothermal vents, there's still life down there. <laughs> like, so so when you're talking about like cool animal adaptations, it's like you could really like combine them all and you would have something that can, you know, exist at high altitudes, be able to fly, breathe underwater. It would be an extremophile, something that could live in a hydrothermal vent area. It would be able to 
eat almost anything, digest anything around it, live forever. You know, like there's just like so many cool different animal adaptations. I, I don't know if I could pick one. I think I think she's gonna <laughs> I think she's gonna like this uh, this episode. Are there any favorite animals that you've been studying recently? There is a group that I just learned about that is blowing my mind. These are called uh, solifuges or camel spiders, <laughs> and they're arachnids. They're not spiders, but they are arachnids. They're in that group. Um, they're they're not scorpions. They're not spiders. But I was recently talking to uh, an expert who works on this group describing new species, and she described them herself as the spawn of Satan. <laughs> That's what they look like. And why is that? Like, oh, just because how they look. Yeah, it's because how it, you know really how they look. So they're they're pretty small actually. They're you know six to eight inches. They're not huge, but they have these huge fleshy like maggot like abdomens. But these things can run super fast, and they're nocturnal. So they are only active at night, and they're usually found in desert like environments. So if they're active in the day. They don't want to be in the sun, and so they will chase after people, not because they want to, like, attack the person. They're, like, chasing you for your shadow. So people will see these, and they'll see it coming at them, and they'll try to run away, and it'll just keep coming. And they're like, what, what is it trying to do? But they also have – their jaws are super interesting. It's like two lobster claws on the front of their face, and they independently move. So, like, these things are pretty – pretty amazing they're pretty terrifying and they're just really cool little creatures i think we should have included this in the uh, the episode i'm glad you've added this to it this is uh, this will be good superpowers to add to it so back in april you were the keynote speaker at the march for science in chicago and we were just curious what that experience was like oh my gosh um one of the most simultaneously like gratifying and terrifying experiences of my life yeah. <laughs> you know because like i i'd never obviously been in front of that many people before you know i i do public speaking but it's in like bite-sized doses right it's like mm -hmm. a it's a college class here and a science communications event there and i don't think before then i'd ever really talked to more than a thousand people and, and that's a pretty big audience mm -hmm. but there were more people at the march for science in chicago than in the town that I grew up in, wow. you know, like a larger population in a couple square blocks, city blocks than in Rapid City, South Dakota. And so to stand up there and to deliver this speech that I felt pretty emotional about, about taking ownership and pursuing curiosity, and then for the audience to just be so warm and so receptive and like, you can hear a pin drop, right? I mean, there wasn't there wasn't like heckling or you know it was just like such a, a warm inviting environment I, I found it to be really inspiring personally um to see so many people there that's in support great. of science it was it was awesome that's yeah. great well something almost as inspiring i think is this quiz that you're about to play with us <laughs> so uh awesome. we we appreciate having you on so what's the quiz we're going to be playing today mango because emily knows too much about real animals we thought we'd give her one about fictional animals so this one's about fictional bears that's right. So all the answers have the word bear in it. And we're trying to get Emily to say as many correct fictional bear names in 30 seconds as possible. Emily, are you ready? Oh, my gosh. Um, I guess. <laughs> well, we're we're, we're going to prompt you. So. Yes, yes. Don't worry. We'll okay. tell you a uh, – we'll give you a clue and you have to tell us the name. So, Mango, you got the timer okay. ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Number one, bear who's good at putting out forest fires. Smokey the Bear. That's right. Bear who hangs with Christopher Robin and eats lots of honey. Pooh Bear. Bear known for stealing picnic baskets. Yogi Bear. 
Comedian Bear from the Muppets. His catchphrase is waka waka. Oh, oh, jeez, I know him. I can't think of this one. Uh, that's okay. Bear who hails from darkest Peru and loves marmalade. Oh, my gosh. I have no clue. That would be Paddington. All right. Sidekick to Picnic Basket Stealing Bear. And we're actually bear. out of time. Ooh, but she did pretty oh, well. No. And I think she probably knew Fozzie, right? The comedian bear from the Muppets. So I think we should probably yeah, give just, her. It was in your brain. It just wasn't there right now. So. <laughs> yes. I was yeah. thinking of Snuffleupagus, and yeah. that's not even a bear. I don't even know <laughs> what scientific order you would put that one in. Speaking of animals with superpowers, yeah. So how did Emily do today, Mango? Emily got four right, which wins her the grand prize of our endless admiration. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> Emily. <laughs> so can I cash in on that? Or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, everybody should be sure to check out Emily's delightful YouTube show, The Brain Scoop. Emily Grassley, thanks so much for joining us on Part-Time Genius. Oh, thanks for having me. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, or PTG, as I hear people are starting to call it. <laughs> So we're talking about creating the ultimate animal superhero using actual traits and abilities of real animals. Now, so far, this animal is part platypus for its 40,000 electro sensors, part electric eel for its crazy high voltage shock, part bar-tailed godwit, which I did not know about, <laughs> for its ability to see the Earth's magnetic field and its insanely long annual migration, 
and part alligator for its thousands of tiny pressure receptors, which give this sort of a spidey sense of what's happening around it. I have such a clear picture of this hybrid animal. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're doing a good job so far, but our creation definitely needs some more amazing abilities. So what do you think we should add next? Maybe we should sprinkle in some x-ray vision. All right, well, that would definitely be cool, but we're talking about real animal traits here. You can't just say (laughs) stuff that sounds cool. I know, and I know what I'm about to say isn't technically x-ray vision, but dolphins have this thing that's about as close to it as you can get with their echolocation system. Okay, right, right. So when an animal uses echolocation, they're sending out pulses of sound, and then the sound bounces back as an echo. They use that information to understand the objects around them. Exactly, but dolphins are insanely good at this. Like, in Rat Sing, Mice Giggle, the authors describe this ability. Let me just read this paragraph for you. Dolphins are able to discriminate between two metal discs placed in front of them in which the only difference is the texture on the surface of the backside, the side opposite to the surface that the dolphin is scanning with its echolocation pulse. This ability to detect internal structure is simply mind-boggling. It's more like Superman's X-ray vision underwater. In fact, an echolocating dolphin can detect a one-inch object from over 200 feet away. Oh, wow, yeah, that really is crazy. (laughs) So we need some dolphin X-ray vision for sure, and I want to apologize for doubting you on that one. Hey, I doubted it too, but now I'm a believer. Good. Okay, so what trait do you want to add next? All right, so no doubt when we create our animal superhero and it decides to save the day, despite all its other crazy abilities, it'll probably face injury from time to time. So I think we need the ability to regenerate post-injury. So when I say regeneration, what animal comes to mind? The starfish, of course. I mean, they can regrow pretty significant chunks of their body. Yep, that's one of the things that always comes to mind. (laughs) And it's obviously moderately impressive, but it's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking about the salamander. What, just because they can regrow their tails? Yeah, but it's even more than that. Not only are they capable of regenerating their tails and their retinas and intestines. What? They can regrow their intestines? Yeah, and it's so much more impressive than that. So when neuroscientists removed a salamander's brain, ground it up, and then returned it to its normal spot in the brain cavity... (laughs) The salamander is able to return to pretty normal function in relatively short order. Uh, Good God. I mean, first of all, what the hell, scientists? That doesn't seem like it should be an experiment. And also, what again? I know. It's crazy. And so it's weird to imagine scientists just sitting around deciding, like, you know what I want to do with the new office blender? So it's uh, (laughs) So pretty gross. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess the ability to regrow a brain is way better for a superhero animal than having to wear a helmet. But... Staying on the gross track, I'd like our critter to be able to look and act scary to hopefully avoid real battle whenever possible. And, you know, just get the job done with intimidation. And I've got two really good ones for this. The kind of scare tactics that'll leave a foe saying, okay, this superhero is clearly not stable, so I think I'll just move on. (laughs) All right, well, I can't wait to hear these. So the first is the hairy frog. First, I just like the name Harry Frog. Right. But you know what it does when it feels like it's in danger? What's that? It breaks its own bones, which then stick through its skin, making claws. Ugh. I mean, this is like Wolverine, but so much more insane. Good God, that's definitely crazy. <laughs> I mean, it seems like that should do the trick right there, but I guess go ahead and tell me the other one. <laughs> the other one also has a great name, the Texas Horned Lizard. Nice. And it's just as crazy. So if one of these feels threatened it can actually shoot this tight stream of blood right out of its eye. And we're not talking just a little squirt. We're talking more than six feet. (laughs) And the blood contains this chemical that has this horrible taste, which makes predators just want to get out of there. It's called auto-hemorrhaging, by the way. Wow, those are both so gross. (laughs) Well done on that. So the hairy frog and the Texas horned lizard. And both of those seem like really necessary skills, I have to say. (laughs) Though hopefully they don't have to be put to use that often. So, you know, something we need to keep in mind, though, is that 
all the popular superhero movies always show the hero as a good lover too, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that our creation knows how to woo its lover. (laughs) That's a pretty good point. We definitely want our hero to have a healthy dating life. So what animal are you thinking about? Well, it just so happens I have the perfect creature. (laughs) And it also happens to be the loudest animal on Earth, at least relative to its size. Well, that doesn't sound that sexy. Oh, just wait. So have you ever heard of the water boatman? Never. Well, the water boatman, also known as the singing penis bug... (laughs) I definitely haven't heard of that. I'm pretty sure I would remember that name. Well, let me introduce it to you. So this little critter just hangs out at the bottom of the river and produces a love song that's as loud as an orchestra. We're talking... 100 decibels, and this thing is only about the size of a grain of rice. Wait, it's penises? I don't understand why it's called a penis bug. Mango, quit saying penis so much, but it's called that because the water (laughs) boatman sings by rubbing its penis along its abdomen. Uh. You know, the old washboard ab move. And it's so loud that you can hear this from the bank of a river. So think about how loud that has to be. You know when you used to go underwater as a kid and scream things to see if another person could hear what you were saying? Well, screaming at the top of your lungs, you couldn't possibly get someone standing outside the water to hear you. It's that loud. Oh, I need a minute to recover. Um, Maybe we should break for a quiz. I agree. So Mango, I know our show today is about creating the ultimate animal superhero, combining the real abilities of lots of different animals. But for today's quiz, I thought we'd talk to two people who handle a wonderful animal that really doesn't need much improvement, dogs. (laughs) Yeah, we've got two incredible dog handlers on the line. We've got Julie from New York City and Mark Collian from Alexandria, Virginia. So, Julie, let's start with you. Uh, We're thrilled to have you on. I know you're a very serious dog walker in the city, and I'm curious to know, like, what's been the most bizarre experience for you as a dog walker in New York City? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great time being a dog walker in New York City, and there's lots of stories, but one that comes to mind is it's really hard to get an Uber or taxi with a dog during rush hour, (laughs) and it was dead of winter one time, and um, we all the Ubers and taxis were stopping, but then they would see I had a French bulldog with me, and they would say, no, I don't take dogs in my car. So finally, after a a, like half hour in the freezing cold standing outside, we finally got an Uber that would take us. And I was just like, oh, thank goodness. I'm freezing. The dog's cold, blah, blah, blah. And we're on our merry way to go back to Brooklyn to dog sit him. And the dog starts to fart like crazy. (laughs) And I'm like rolling down the windows to kind of air out the car and just really hoping that the driver doesn't realize it. And of course he realizes it. And he just kind of is so dramatic, like, oh, 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 pulls over in the middle of Manhattan and just yells at me. And he's like, get out of my car, get out. And I was like, oh, no. And I'm just looking at Joey, the French bulldog, like, buddy. Oh, Joey. (laughs) Yeah. Joey's always causing (laughs) problems. That's pretty great. Oh, wow. Well, Mark, what about what about for you? I know you're in the D.C. area. Have there been any any big surprises for you as you've uh, as you've become a dog walker? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm originally from Ohio, so I'm, I'm more of a Midwestern guy. When I first moved down here, I was just blown away by the the amount of strollers, the, the st- amount of dogs and strollers that I see on a daily basis. So the, the dogs actually uh, these guys ride are living the, the good life, and we're all we're all out here trying to work, but we should all just be little tiny dogs and strollers. I think it'd be a better way to go. <laughs> Not a bad life. 
All right. Well, thank you guys again for joining us today. Mango, what game do we have them playing today? So this is a really stupid game. It's called The Most Pawful Quiz Ever. And basically, we used Atlas Obscura to locate some very punny dog store names across the U.S. and turn them into quiz answers. All right. Well, sure, there are lots of wonderful places given punny names like Citizen Canine and Howl to the Chief. (laughs) So we're going to give you some clues to figure these out and see how many you can get right. So are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Julie, I'm going to start with you. And if you don't know the answer, you can throw it to Mark. Remember, you guys can work together. So here's the first one. You got it. Store pun that combines a movie about Dorothy and her friends trying to get to the Emerald City plus a word for a dog's feet. Wizard of Paws? Nice. (laughs) Mark, you got anything? (laughs) One for one. Okay, well done. Here we go. Question number two. This one's for you, Mark. All right. Store pun that combines another word for woof with a Pink Floyd album title. Oh, okay. Bark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Nice. Bark Side of the Moon's located in Chicago. These guys are so smart. Okay. <laughs> I thought these were going to be. Look at that. Okay. All right. Question awesome. number three. This one's coming to you, Julie. Okay. Store pun that combines what a dog will do at the moon plus a popular and affordable hotel chain. So what a dog will do at the moon plus a popular and affordable hotel chain. This is a hard one. Oh, my goodness. Howling at the... Oh, gosh. Paola? I, I can't even think of... I'm blanking on hotel chains That's right now. That's all right. Mark, you got <laughs> Mark, any I'm ideas? I'm going to give this to you. Mm. I'm trying to think myself. Uh, you want it? The, the Ritz... The Ritz Howlton, but you said it was affordable. <laughs> that is, you know, know, that's too off market, unfortunately. <laughs> we are looking for Holiday Inn. I think they deserve a bonus point for that one. Yeah, well done. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. We're coming back to you, Mark. Okay, here we go. Doggy Daycare, that's named for the author of To the Lighthouse, although her last name is replaced with a word for bark. Uh-oh. Her first name is the state that you uh, live in. Julie, uh, wanna, you want to... Virginia. Wanna... It's got to be Virginia. Uh-huh. I hope. Yep. I'm going to toss this one back to Jules here. I, I You know, I don't really... Virginia I don't, I, I, I Wolf? Yes. Yeah, is that so, what you guys are getting at? So, Virginia... Say that again? Virginia Wolf. Yes. <laughs> nice. Virginia Wolf. Here we go. Last question. You guys can... Uh, this is a real... This is terrible. So, you guys can work together if anybody knows this one. All right. Question number five. Last one. This pet styling place has mm-hmm. not one but two puns in its title. The first part of the name combines a Harrison Ford archaeologist character with a thing dogs like to chew on, and the second part refers to a holy place he visits in the second movie combined with another word for styling. Oh, my God, Mango, this is horrible. Okay, all right. So let's see if we can figure oh, out the character's name. Please. So it's a Harrison. I've actually got it. Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. I feel I feel pretty good about it. I'm, I'm fairly certain you're you're hinting at Indiana Bones and the Temple of Groom. Wow! <laughs> Amazing. That is oh, unbelievable. Man. That's awesome. <laughs> and there's one located oh, in Simi you. Valley, California. Wow! That is gotcha. so impressive. <laughs> Mark, that was amazing. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's tell them what they've won, Mango. Yeah, so uh, Julie and Mark combined for a total of five points, which wins them handwritten notes to their mom or boss from us singing their praises. And this week, we're also going to send you a Mr. Tuniverse Chew doll, which is the world's squeakiest strongman doll from BarkBox. Wow. Well, congratulations, guys, and thank you guys awesome. so much for being on Part Time Genius. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you both. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, so before the quiz, we had just added some pretty incredible skills to our superhero animal. I mean, the ability to scare predators with the powers of the hairy frog and the <laughs> Texas horn lizard. While having the serenading skills of the water boatman, those make a pretty unbeatable combination. But we need to bring it all together with a few other amazing qualities. we got to have a good weapon. Not just any weapons. The kind that makes our foes say, do what? Wait, we want them to say, do what? Yeah, that means they're super surprised and confused and possibly scared. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's talk about something that could make a foe say, do what? <laughs> so what weapon do you think we should add? Well, do you know about the pistol shrimp? Oh, that's a good one. So tell me more. So an article from Wired called Pistol Shrimp, the Greatest Real-Life Gunslingers. And that's because they have the ability to shoot these bubble bullets out of a huge claw. <laughs> and it's loud, too. So if you consider that the average gun produces a shot that's about 150 decibels, well, this shrimp fires at an insanely loud 210 decibels. Holy cow, how does that happen? Well, they have two claws, but as I mentioned, one of them is enormous, up to half their body length. And inside the bigger claw is this crazy muscle system that builds tension, and when its closer muscle contracts, a tiny plunger slams down into the socket of this claw, and that's when the magic happens. Like, water comes jetting out at over 100 miles per hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, and in this explosion, these water bubbles swell and then collapse, and that's where the sound comes from. But what's crazier than the sound is that the collapsing of this bubble, it creates temperatures of 8,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, I didn't know that, but that is incredible. So <laughs> I was going to put a vote in for the bullet ant, which is also a pretty incredible creature. So according to entomologist Justin Schmidt, who's been bitten by over 150 <laughs> venomous animals, 150. I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. 
<laughs> so the sting is so bad that it feels like you've been shot by a gun. So Schmidt called it the worst pain known to man. But for sheer coolness, it's pretty tough to argue with a water bullet shot from a claw that blasts <laughs> temperatures of 8,000 degrees. So we'll go with that one. But I would just add that the fearlessness of the honey badger is something that we should probably consider as well. It's an animal that I feel like has gotten a lot of attention in the past decade or so, but for good reason. So the Guinness Book described the savanna-dwelling relative of the weasel as the world's most fearless animal. And in an Esquire article I was reading, I saw them described as a tiny skunk or from the front, like a tiny bear wearing an old man's toupee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know that sounds kind of funny, but these things have been witnessed chasing off lions and eating cobras. They're not afraid of anything. I mean, you kind of have to be fearless to pull off a toupee in the savannah. (laughs) That's a good point. Also, can I just point out that the description sounds like a bad definition of a mullet? Toupee in the front, tiny skunk in the back. (laughs) So perhaps we need a little more self-control than the honey badger, but when aggression is necessary, you definitely don't want to mess with this one. Okay, agreed. And also, I really do love that this fearsome creature of ours is going to wear a toupee. Me too. But finally, I feel like we need to wrap up with near immortality. Like, we need to know this creature is built to be indestructible. We talked about naked mole rats at the beginning of the show, but who else do you think we should consider? Well, naked mole rats are definitely a good one. I think I might prefer the scarlet jellyfish, though. Now, I know we talked about regeneration earlier with the salamander, but scarlet jellyfish do something a bit different that's equally amazing. Shin Kubata, a researcher at the Cedo Marine Biological Laboratory at Kyoto University, he's been studying these creatures for nearly four decades. And he describes them as being nearly immortal because, as he says, they rejuvenate. They rejuvenate? Like, what's that mean? Well, as Kubata describes, one day in my plankton net, there was a small scarlet jellyfish from the south. It had all these sharp sticks in its body. And I thought, poor thing, removed all the sticks, hoping maybe it would get better and swim again. But it didn't, and it shrunk. However, it rejuvenated. (laughs) You just keep saying rejuvenated over it, but I don't understand. What's that mean? All right, so here's the crazy part. What he observed is that when a scarlet jellyfish gets hurt, it goes to the ocean floor. Then it morphs from its adult state, which is called the medusa, back to an infant state or polyp. And the polyp grows back into a medusa again. That's crazy. So it's basically Benjamin buttoning itself into an infant again? Well, it's more like it hits the reset button and then starts life all over again. It's really crazy. So Kubata believes there's much more to learn from these amazing creatures and that they may hold the key to humans living much longer if we can just figure out what's happening that allows them to do this. I don't know about you, but I feel like we've created a pretty incredible superhero animal today. Me too. In fact, I want to see this thing. So maybe we should challenge our listeners to see if anyone's up for drawing it. So let's recap the beautiful combo we've put together. Yeah, so it's pretty easy. It's part platypus, part electric eel, a little shark gel, part bar-tailed godwit. There's a dash of alligator, dolphin, and salamander, some hairy frog and Texas horn lizard, Oh, and it's got the charm of the water boatman, the quick draw of the pistol shrimp, the aggression of the honey badger, and a reset button of a scarlet jellyfish. Easy enough. I feel like I could draw that in my sleep. Well, you're not, uh, you're not eligible for a prize, but any listeners that want to take a stab at drawing this thing will be. We'll choose the top three drawings and send you a part-time genius shirt. And our top artist will actually get a part-time genius award and get added to our hall of genius. Our ultimate honor. Wow. Yeah, so you can either send your pics to us on Facebook, Twitter, or email us at parttimegenius at HowStuffWorks. And you should also send us a message if you feel like we've left out a real superpower that just might make this animal even more heroic. We can't wait to see what you come up with. Well, I can't wait to see what you've come up with because you know what time it is. Time for the part-time genius fact off? That's right. It's the PTGFO Animal Edition. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
I'm going to kick this off with a little fact about fingernail clams. Okay. Did you know that scientists in the 90s experimented with giving Prozac to clams? No. And while it didn't actually make them happier, it did cause them to spawn prolifically. By the way, this is a total aside, but one of the articles I saw about this was titled Clam Dunk, which makes no (laughs) sense, but made me laugh. Clam Dunk definitely belongs on a Novelty Beach t-shirt. So if we're talking about pure strength, one of the most incredible creatures on Earth has to be the dung beetle. This is the friend you want to call over when you're moving because dung beetles can haul up to 1,141 times their own body weight. That's the most in the animal kingdom. And as the website One Kind Planet put it in perspective, that's the equivalent of an average person being able to lift six double-decker buses full of people. Wow, total respect for the dung beetle. So I'm generally not that impressed by bird calls, but the superb lyrebird is something to behold. It's basically like the Michael Winslow of birds. (laughs) And not only will lyrebirds imitate other calls, but in a National Geographic Wild episode, they showed how it can recreate the sound of a camera taking a picture or a chainsaw felling a tree, even a car alarm. The bird can basically imitate any sound it's exposed to. So we all know cockroaches are gross for a whole host of reasons, (laughs) but here's something amazing about them. They have three knees on each of their six legs. <laughs> That's a lot of knees, right? So it's crazy, but that dexterity allows them to make 25 rotations in a second, the most of any animal. So this is more of an animal's kryptonite than a superpower, but did you know kangaroos can't hop backwards? Like, they can swim if they need to or jump about the distance of three times their height, but they'd never be able to foxtrot with you. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) But also kind of a funny mental image, so I think you're going to be the winner of today's Fact Off. So congratulations. (laughs) I am truly honored. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Part-Time Genius. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening to Part-Time Genius. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And because we're a brand new show, if you're feeling extra generous, we'd love it if you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Part-Time Genius is produced by some of our favorite geniuses. It's edited by Tristan McNeil, theme song and audio mixing by Noel Brown. Our executive producer is Jerry Rowland. Our research team is Gabe Luzier, Lucas Adams, Autumn Whitefield-Madrano, Austin Thompson, and Meg Robbins. Jason Hoke is our chief cheerleader. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.